Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. So I have a confession to make because it's a little bit embarrassing how I came to the topic of this message. I had a topic in mind. I prayed about it. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say, go seek wise counsel. I'm like, yeah, I need wise counsel. So I approached somebody on staff, and I spoke to them, and I told them what I'm thinking. And they said, well, maybe you should pray about that some more. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're wise, and I'll pray about it. So I went and prayed about it. And then I felt the Holy Spirit saying, this is for somebody else, not for the church. I'm like, oh, well, thank goodness I sought wise counsel. So, Lord, what should I be talking about? And the word surrender came to mind. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I'll surrender my message, and I will focus on you and what you want me to talk about. And surrender came to mind. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm surrendering my old message. I'm not going to talk about it. I surrender it to you. And the day was done, and the next day, Lord, what should I preach about? And surrender came to mind. I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm surrendering that old message. I'm giving it to you. And this kept going for far longer than I'd like to admit. And then finally, at one stage, I'm like, Lord, time is running out. What should I preach about? And surrender came to mind. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> surrender. So God was speaking, and I can just see my angel going, Lord, can I get a transfer? This guy's not getting it. And life is just too hard. So, surrender. What can we talk about surrender? So, if you're anything like me, I don't always understand the definitions of words. And my mom and Dr. Del Tackett, I learned something, and that is, if you're unsure about the meaning or you're thinking about it, look it up. So I did that. Don't assume you know what it is. And surrender means simply this. It means to yield to something to the possession of power of another. And I'll say that again, to yield to something, to the possession or power of another. And you know what? It kind of struck me immediately. This is not what I thought surrender meant. In the beginning, I thought surrender meant I give up. I am done. I see a guy walking with a white flag, waving it, and saying, I give up, I surrender, and then nothing. Because that's surrender, right? And realizing this, seeing what it means, and actually going through Scripture, it is not a one and done. It is not now I give up and now I do nothing. There's so much more involved with surrender. And surrender is something we see in Scripture. And I love Sheldon's prayer this morning about Jesus, how Jesus surrendered himself to be raised by humans, and how Jesus surrendered himself ultimately to die on a cross. Jesus is the best example of surrender that we can find anywhere in Scripture. And almost any parable and story you go to of Jesus, we see surrender. We see these parables. We see these stories being told about surrender. So yes, Jesus will be the main example we're going to look at today and see how he modeled surrender because we're supposed to model our lives after him, right? So we're going to start with Luke 9 because it tells us how often and what we're supposed to surrender. And look at this. And then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So already here we can see something, right? How, how often do we do this? Daily. This is a daily thing we come and we surrender to him. It's not one and done. Daily we come to him. For whoever wants to save his life, and I want to save my life, I don't know about you guys, will have to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world 
and yet lose or forfeit their very self. Right? So this is the thing we need to get into. If I want to save my life, this is how God's economy works, right? I want to save my heart and my soul. I need to surrender and give it over to the Lord. So, and again, we saw Jesus do this so often for us, and this is a continual surrendering. And another way I can tell it to you guys is a little bit of, well, me. Because you can hear by me speaking, I'm not from Canada, right? If somebody takes a picture of me and posts it, you can say I'm a Canadian, but it's my mannerisms, it's my accent, you can see that I'm not from here. So when I came to Canada, I had to surrender my South African citizenship to become a Canadian. So when I surrendered my citizenship, it's not like I did nothing. I had to fill out paperwork. I mean, stacks of paperwork. I had to do so many things to comply to Canadian citizenship and go take an exam, right? So these are the things I had to do here to surrender over to become a Canadian. And here's the other thing too. If I don't surrender to the culture or your laws, well, that won't work so well. For starters, I won't even be speaking English because it's not my first language, right? So if I refuse to surrender, the message will sound something like this. Van van ochend en die kerk kan ons en die hier ons harte oor gee en aan hom bid. Did you catch that? <laughs> Doesn't work, right? So I surrender by speaking in English, okay? It's not some big thing that I have to do, but it is something that I'm gladly doing. This is not a burden when I come here, I'm like, oh, I have to surrender to English. No, English is a great language. It sounds wonderful. And I gladly surrender it because I know here who I'm surrendering it to, right? I can see the people here, and you know what? I love being a part of this country, and I love surrendering to this and the community in here. But I'm gonna give you guys another example too, just because it's kind of funny being a foreigner, not understanding everything. Uh, one day I was over at my, uh, well, then girlfriend, Andrew, now my wife. I was there at their home, and we were just visiting, and her mom got up and yelled and said, supper's ready, sloppy joes. And you have to understand something, as a foreigner, you're always on the alert, okay? Because you don't know what's gonna happen next. So when she said Sloppy Joe, my mind instantly went to, who is Sloppy Joe? <laughs> and why is he called Sloppy? I've never heard this first name before, so is it bad table manners? Is it the way he speaks? I should be sure not to sit next to him, or maybe look at him or stare at him. So as I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking of all these things going on in my head, Thank the good Lord, I had the wisdom to look at Andrea before we went upstairs to join for supper. I said, Andrea, can I ask you a question? And she's like, sure. I'm like, who is Sloppy Joe? <laughs> and she looks at me baffled, hey? Like, what is this guy saying and should I be dating him? And then she looks at me and says, it's not a person, it's a food. I'm like, oh, okay, thank goodness. So I had relief, but then instant dread again, why is food called after a person? Is there something else I need to know about this? So we're always in this constant kind of fear of what's happening next. And you Canadians are really weird naming foods and drinks after people like Dr. Peppers. It really, really confuses us. But anyway, I am willing to surrender my South African citizenship and me becoming a Canadian. I do it willingly. Why? I'm knowing what I'm surrendering to. 
And I think this is one of the biggest hindrances we have in our daily walk as Christians. We don't know who we're surrendering to or we've forgotten, right? Because here's the thing. Once we know who we're surrendering to, I love to give up control. Because I love surrendering to Jesus because I know he can be in control. Because control, we love it in our society today. And it is scary to lose control. And surrender can become scary to us. So I want to ask you guys a question here this morning. What does this world need most? What do you guys think? Jesus. You're right. What does the businesses need most? Jesus. What do I need the most? Jesus. What does my family need the most? Jesus. So let me ask you the next question. If, if our world needs Jesus, but I'm so full of myself and that's all I can give, will they get Jesus? No. If the world needs Jesus and all I am is me, I cannot give Jesus to the world. And let's be honest, I am not enough. I have to surrender me so that when I go out in the world, they can see Jesus. Because that's what this world needs. And that's where we need to start going and changing it. So I'm going to go here, Galatians 2.20. For I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. If this world truly needs Jesus, we need to surrender. And you know what? Surrender is hard. Surrender is scary, but we know it's totally worth it for the one we're surrendering to. So again, we're going to go back, and even in the hard circumstances, that's especially the time we're called to surrender. But human nature says when it's hard, let's get more control and let's do this. I'll give you an example of Mark 14. And this is Jesus and probably one of the hardest moments in, in his life. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here and pray. And I took him, Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed, and said, if it were possible, then the hour may pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. This verse should be very sobering to us. Jesus was very sorrowful, even to death. But look how he responded. He fell on the ground and he prayed. He surrendered to the Lord. This is not a statement of doubt in the end, not my will, but your will. It's a statement of surrender. It's Jesus coming to ultimate surrender before the Father and saying, Lord, it's not what I will, it is your will be accomplished in my life. And you know what? We need to look at this and say, Lord, I don't have it together like Jesus does. So we need to surrender even more and more. And I love Philippians 2, right after that. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus surrendered everything. And that is where we need to be in our lives too. We need to surrender everything and not just pick and choose what we surrender. But I get it, it's Jesus, right? He's God. So is there maybe another example of surrender we can look at? And I'm glad you asked that question, because there is. There's many of them. There's David, but I want to bring you to one that my daughter brought up because she is reading her Bible now, which is very exciting. And as she's going through it, she was a little bit miffed. And she was miffed because Gideon, my son, his name is in the Bible, but Isabel isn't in the Bible. So if one of you ever finds the name Isabel in the Bible, please tell me so I can show her. But I can't find Isabel. 
but her middle name Hannah is. So I was sitting next to her, we're going through it, and I said, you know what? I'll show you the story of Hannah. So we went to 1 Samuel, and actually this is where God really arrested my heart in surrender, and I'll show you what it says. 1 Samuel 1, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb and, kept her and her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her, her rival would provoke her until she wept and could not eat. But her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Silo, Hannah stood up. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting in the, in the uh, chair by the doorstep of the Lord of the house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you only took the servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Okay, so what's Hannah thinking here? Like, this story actually doesn't make sense. If it's the one thing you've anguished over and you're being uh, ridiculed over it, you can't bear a son, and are you asking the Lord for it, but you'll just simply give it up again? Like, how does that work? But this is what surrender is. And you know what? I'll tell you why she did it. Because she did not look after the miracle, but she looked at the miracle giver. She found the Lord. And you might say, where do you see this? It's not in the verses here. Let's go to the next chapter, chapter 2. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord, and my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no holy like you, Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Hannah knew who she was surrendering to. She fell in love with, G with the Lord, and she knew that's who I'm going to get. It's not about the miracle, but the miracle giver that ultimately made it, but she can surrender that and surrender it willing willingly. But now we come to our next step here. If we know who we surrender to, do we actually understand how to surrender? And this is sometimes we get a little bit tripped up and like, man, how do I surrender this? It's not something physically a lot of times I can just give over. So I'm going to take you guys through four different things that I think we can do. But I love John 5, when it's Jesus said, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but the one who sent me. And again, we see this across Scripture, Jesus constantly surrendering to the will of the Father. So there's four things we're going to look into, and the first thing is prayer. And you might say, Okay, I've heard you say this in all your other messages. I've heard Pastor Stephen say it, Pastor Lauren say it, Pastor Chris say it. You guys always talk about prayer. And you're right. We all do. And we will keep doing it because not everything is about prayer, but it should come out of prayer. And prayer is a foundational step that we can come to and we can say, Lord, help us. And again, Luke 5. Jesus himself would often slip away in the wilderness and pray. How much? Often. This was a continual thing we see Jesus did. And again, if Jesus was doing it, we should be doing it in our lives as well. So we should often be going away to pray. And let me tell you something. We sometimes bypass prayer quickly because we're so distracted. Because the enemy knows the power of prayer. 
And the enemy is going to do everything in his power to divert our attention away from prayer and do something else, to take control, to do it our way, but not focus and pray. Because prayer is one of the most powerful ways we can surrender to the Lord. Prayer goes and says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And I'm going to give you guys an example about this. I love uh, military history. I love uh, World War II especially, and because I really think it's amazing how that war took place. But did you guys know when the Allies was going to invade Europe on D-Day, it was the most important day ever, they planned one of the most cunning deceptions ever in history. Because you see, the Nazis were scared of General Patton, who was a crazy general who was just charging forward. So they placed him above northern France. And what they did is they put a bunch of inflatable balloons shaped like tanks next to him. And oh yeah, there's a picture. Look at that. Wouldn't that be cool for your boy's birthday party? Put one of those in your front lawn? But they had hundreds of these put everywhere, and they put General Patton there. And then the Nazis went, oh no, they're going to invade northern France. And they bolstered northern France and put a lot of people there. And meanwhile, the Allies are going, ha, 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 we're going to invade Normandy. So, and that's what happened, right? The Allies in D-Day invaded Normandy because the enemy was looking at a bunch of balloons. But church, is this any different for our Christian lives? When we face hardship, when we face something in surrender, how many times do we look at balloons filled with hot air instead of going to the most powerful weapon we have, which is prayer? And in my life too, many times I'm distracted by other things and I lose focus. And when I just sit down and pray and submit and say, Lord, I surrender this to you. It is amazing what he gives to us. John 15, 15 says this, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends, but all you've heard from my father, I have made known to you. And isn't that amazing that Jesus calls us friends so we are part of the inner circle. We know what's going on. We know that next step. We don't have to be sitting in the darkness not going, Lord, what to do next? Unless you're like me and you can't figure out what surrender means. But this is the part where we have to start with. Second thing we can do, confession. And again, our church is so good at this and we forget about it, but here's the thing. We live in a sinful world. And in this sinful world, we will keep on sinning because this world tells us it is okay to be bitter. It is okay to be selfish. It is okay to lie, but it is not. And how many times do we catch ourselves in these? Just the other day, I caught myself in a lie. Uh, my wife asked me, hey, did you take out the garbage? And I'm like, yes, I did. I totally didn't. And I looked at it, and I'm like, it's right there. <laughs> and I just confessed and picked up the garbage and quickly took it outside. But I also just, it came out of nowhere. I quickly said it, and I confessed it. We still need to surrender this, and we still, we can't sit and relax on this. The enemy is very deceptive and will catch us in one, and then the next one, and the next one, and becomes much bigger. When we sin, it is not shameful. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we can bring that to our church. I love Saturday mornings, my men's group, because almost every Saturday morning we start with confession. We can confess with one another. This is where I fell short. And it's something amazing when we start confessing to one another, because you know what happens next? Our heart starts feeling better. I love Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God. 
so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I love that. Do any of you need to be refreshed? Confess your sin. Bring it before the Lord. It is something amazing when we confess our sins. I feel like I can take this next step and it comes so naturally, and that is exalt Him. Exalt the Lord. Bring it before, and it's amazing in worship services too, how we start worshiping when I've confessed my sins, and sometimes I'll come here and I'll be singing with you guys and God will bring a sin to mind, and I'm like, oh yeah, right. I confess it before the Lord, and I can feel my worship getting better before the Lord. I feel refreshed. I feel my heart being lightened up. And again, that's something we can bring before Him. But we can exalt the Lord, and Psalm 63 says, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and your name will be lifted, lift up my hands. His love is better. And we can exalt him for that because he deserves it. And we can do this by song, we can do this by deed, and we can do it with our time and by simply loving him, but also with our minds. But in all of these things, all three things I mentioned to you, there's step number four. And step number four is my favorite one, which is take action. And you're gonna love how direct James is. He is my most favorite and hated books in the Bible because he's so direct. But I love how he says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How many times we just listen and we listen and we're like, oh, that's a cool thing he said, but we never do. Do what the word says. Read your Bible and take that action step. All these things I've taught you so far takes action. And you know what? It's that action step I take of confessing my sins and my addictions and constantly working on it. Again, it's not one and done. This is a continual journey we do with the Lord. So I think the best way I can illustrate this is to kind of give you like a quick summary again of my history, right? So 2004, I rededicated my life to Jesus when we came to Canada. What did I do? I prayed. Step number one. Step number two, I was in a cell group with Stefan, and we confessed lots of sins. We worked on our addictions. I went to a set free, and not just one set freeze, many set frees. I wasn't bored, I was really messed up, okay? And it was a continual journey of me confessing. And then, as I was confessing this, I came back from a set free, even if a set free too, your worship becomes stronger. Your worship becomes better because my heart feels lighter. So when we did our young adult events here, like saturates and so forth, we could worship more and more and more, and I could feel that. And when I asked the Lord, Lord, what's my action step? What do I need to surrender? And God brought to mind three things immediately. Comics, anime, and video games. Those are three things God asked me to surrender. Are those things evil and bad? No. But those are God asked me to surrender. And you know, in the beginning, yes, some of it was really hard to surrender. I remember selling all my comics except for one series, and I held on to that. And that wasn't surrender, and that's okay. God was generous, and he helped me through that. I got rid of all my anime, got rid of all my video games, but you know, I held on to that one comic book set because it was just too precious to me. And then one day, God just spoke to me again at a set free. He says, you're still holding on to it. I'm like, yes, Lord. And you know what? I gave it away. And again, I can feel my heart being refreshed. So in all of this, I gave it away. And do I miss it today? Not really. Have I gone back to it? A little bit. And I'll tell you why. 
Anime and comics, I've not gone back to. But video games, about a year and a half ago, uh, me and my wife decided to buy a console for our kids. And I was excited and dreadful at the same time. I had both emotions. I was like, yay, we're getting a console. Oh, no, video games. And I was constantly going back and forth. And I brought this to prayer before the Lord. And I felt the Lord saying, this is something you can enjoy with your kids. I'm like, is this the enemy? Is this the Lord? What's going on? But you know, we got the console, and I love playing with my kids. We sit there, we laugh, and we play games against each other, and we start beating me. I take the controller away and throw it across the room, and I can quickly beat them. And we have fun in this. And you know what? Once in a while, yeah, I'll play 20 to 30 minutes. But I actually feel done. I don't want to go back. Why? I gave it to the Lord. Like Luke 9, I put it across. I gave it to Jesus. I surrendered it over. So even though I do it still once in a while, I don't get nearly as much enjoyment out of it as I do surrendering to the Lord. And it might sound foreign to you, but I want to encourage you with this. These are small steps we take, and it's just me being transparent. So recently, because I'm preaching on surrender, I thought, okay, Lord, is there anything else I need to surrender? And God brought something to mind. And this might seem silly to you, but this is how my mind works. Do you guys ever have nights we can't fall asleep? When you count sheep and stuff like that, right? I don't count sheep, I count tractors. And I count tractors because they're on my farm. And I have this fantasy farm I will never own in my life, but maybe in heaven, me and God still negotiating on that. But I have this fantasy farm. I know where my sheds are. I know what tractors are parked there. I can see the combine and the plants are getting ready to go seed. And I always go to that farm and I walk around. I'm like, oh, it's my farm and I fall asleep. Is it sinful? No. But you know, God asked me to give it up. God's like, will you surrender that to me? I'm like, okay. But what do I do then? <laughs> like, what do I, count sheep? And God's like, no, spend time with me. I'm like, right, of course. So now at nighttime, I'm singing hymns in the back of my head, and I hum. And I've been falling asleep faster, and I wake up feeling better. Is it sinful? No. But you know what? I gladly laid it with you because I know what I'm surrendering to. So... Last point, and this is the hard one, church, and I hope you see my heart behind this. We have to surrender what we cannot change. Proverbs 3 says this, Trust in the Lord of all your heart. Do not lean in your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make straight your paths. A lot of times hard things come into our lives, and many of us face hard conditions and hard things here, and we cannot change it. God calls us here, but we surrender everything to Him. He doesn't promise He will deliver on it, but He promises He will make straight up paths. And what a promise that is. And I just want to give a quick caveat. I am not against miracles. I'm a firm believer in miracles. Why? I am a walking miracle. I should have died in 2000 of cancer. I should have died in 2009 of a quadding accident. I should not be standing here. Me standing here is a miracle. I've experienced many miracles. I know you've experienced many miracles, so I'm not against miracles. Clear? Okay. But I do want to say this. Going back to the story of Hannah, sometimes we chase the miracle so much that we lose sight of a miracle giver. We shouldn't swing and go into that ditch and saying now, I will only pursue this miracle, and the miracle becomes everything in our lives, right? So I want to share a story with you here this morning, and uh, the person uh, gave me permission to share the story, but he would like to remain anonymous. So we shall call him Bob. 
because that's the only name I can come up with. And Bob has been attending our church for quite a while, and uh, they moved here when they were newly married. And when they moved here, they had an accident, and this accident put them in a wheelchair. And um, it's a very devastating thing that happened to them, but when they came to prayer summits and they asked for prayer, they'd always pray for healing, like you should do. The Bible says we're supposed to do that. And he asked for prayer many times, but God never healed him. And then another day, he, was, he says almost every morning, he would pray for healing uh, at his bedside before he gets up. And you know what? He came to a point where he says, Lord, why not? Why am I not getting this miracle? And almost getting disheartened in it. But then one morning he was praying, and God spoke this to him. And I, I just want to read this. God looked at him and said, what if I want to see you face to face when you walk for the first time? You will be whole again, but for now you will glorify my name by being in that chair. Bob had to give up the miracle and receive a miracle giver. And you know what? Speaking to him, I could see the conviction in his eyes. This wasn't just lip service. And this is what he told me right after that. He says, even I'm physically weak now, I've become spiritually strong. And no longer like a child do I ask why I can't have this now. But I've stopped chasing the miracle and start chasing the miracle giver. And you know what? When you talk to him and stuff too, you see this conviction inside of him. And he says, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me is to surrender that over to the Lord. And I want to encourage you. I know many of you, you're struggling here with big things. Could be infertility. Could be a child who's walked away from Jesus. It could be a health issue. And we should be praying for miracle. We should be praying for healing. But my question is this. Is God asking you to surrender that? And that is so, so hard. But I don't want you to be disheartened by this. I want to encourage you by this. Because again, if we look at that passage, what does the Lord promise us? He will straighten our paths. It might not look the way you think it's going to look, but the Lord does not abandon you. He walks with you step by step. And that's the ultimate thing. When we come and we surrender with him, we are partnering up with Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but that's the one I want to walk with. There's nobody else in this earth I walk more than I want to walk with Jesus. So let's wrap this up. Wow, time flies. So what will it take to bring us to unconditional surrender? It's a lifelong process. And unfortunately, in our human nature, we will lay down our crosses again and again. We will lay our crosses down because we live in a sinful world and we are deceived all the time. But this is our daily reminder to pick it up again. It's no longer my opinion that matters, but it's his opinion that matters. It's not the action steps I want to take, but it's the action steps he wants me to take. It is a constant and daily surrender we come before him. So I want to tell you guys another quick story to wrap it up. And this is a fictional story because it involves pigs and chickens uh, that speak. So, but I hope, my heart is that you will remember surrender in a different way. So here's the story. One day there's a pig and a chicken walking down a street, and they see a big sign that says, urgent, we'll pay big bucks for eggs and bacon. And the chicken looks at the pig and says, hey, we can get rich. We should go give eggs and bacon. And the pig looks at the chicken saying, well, okay, it's easy for you. It costs you hardly anything. You lay an egg and lay another egg, and that's it. For me, this is everything. 
I have to give up everything to give bacon. Let me show you in Scripture. I know it's a silly story, but look at Luke 20. Beware of the scribes who walk around with long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor and feasts. The teachers of the law are people who gave eggs. The teachers of the law loved power, they loved money, they loved the honor they received, and you know what? Actually, I would say I'm wrong. I don't think they gave eggs. I think they just hoarded eggs as much as they could. They didn't even give it away. A couple of verses later, Luke 21. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts in the offering box. And he saw a poor widow putting two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, yet she, out of her poverty, put in all she had. Church, the widow gave bacon. She didn't give any eggs, she gave bacon. And can I be so bold to say is, God wants his bacon. God does not, is not satisfied with just eggs. He wants bacon. We look at people and the disciples like Peter, they surrendered everything getting out of the boats. They gave bacon. We look at Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Connie, Connie Tim Boom and so many other people, did they give eggs? They gave bacon. And this is my question for you, and I know it's a silly example, but are we just giving eggs or are we listening to God and saying, God, I will give you bacon. I will die so you can have that bacon. If the world needs Jesus, but all I can give to me is me, it is not enough. Philippians 3, it says this, What is more, I consider everything a loss, because surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, not treasures. I've let go of my treasures, consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. So where is God calling us to surrender? And I want to close today off with a simple prayer. I don't know what it is in your life. I told you guys what it was in mine. There's so much more we can go into. But Lord, where can I give bacon? Maybe it's in the church here, it's part of a Christmas offering, the Christmas dinners, maybe you want to open up your house. Excellent. You know what, what I love about the story of a widow? It doesn't matter if it's 10 cents, $10, or $1,000. The amount doesn't matter. It matters is she gave bacon. She gave with her whole heart. And that's what God calls us to do because he's gracious. So this morning, is in your personal life. Is God asking you to give up a sin? Is he asking you to give up an addiction? Or something you're just holding on to? I can't go without this. Maybe it's your marriage. God knows my marriage needs more of Jesus, not more of me. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe you're in a place now where you say, Lord, my life has been so far removed from you. I need to give my life again to you. I surrender. So I'm gonna lead us in some listening prayer, and we're gonna be quiet. And the worship team, they will just close off in a song. So Jesus, thank you for being that model of surrender in our lives. Thank you, Lord, you gave bacon. You gave it all. And Jesus, we surrender. And this is not giving up. This is just saying, no, Lord, what's that next step? So Jesus, can you reveal to every person here now, what are they supposed to give up? What are they supposed to surrender to you? And I ask you, please speak to us.